was music from Albert Benzler and Fred Epps, uh, Gondolier, Temptation Rag, uh, recording from 1909, and it's part of the uh, part of the University of California Santa Barbara's Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project. Really fantastic project, digitizing over the past uh, six years or so, almost 10,000 these recordings that would not otherwise be accessible. And I will be back with you in just a moment here on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope Worldwide, on the World Wide Web at WFMU.org. That was another uh, recording from the Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project, uh, What a Time by Polk Miller and his Old South Quartet from 1910. And joining me here on the line are uh, David Soybert, from, uh, uh, the director of the project, and also Berto Solis, the UCSB Digitization Lab's uh, team leader. So welcome. Uh, you're on the air here at WFMU. Great to be here. Yeah, thank thank you so much for making the time to join. Obviously, you guys are are incredibly busy with a, a you know kind of s- small staff digitizing now up to you're, you're nearing the ten thousand mark of yeah, uh, s- cylinder recordings. We're up about ninety eight hundred or something like that right now. So we're rapidly closing in on ten thousand, which is something we never uh, thought we'd do. Uh, the, the project ri- originally went online in 2005 with about 6,000 cylinder titles, mm-hmm. and I thought that was pretty much the end of it, that we had done our little contribution to history and that it would uh, live on, but then we just kept acquiring more and more cylinders, uh, people make donations, uh, we get them at auction and things like that, and now we're up at 10,000. 
So, so uh, what is a cylinder? For those who don't realize, uh, we do have an image of some cylinders up on the on the playlist to the show. Um, a cylinder was the the first sort of commercial recording medium started in the, the early 1890s. It's about the size of a can of Coke, um, and the grooves are around the diameter of the cylinder, so the recorded music is in the not that much different than an LP or a 78 RPM disc, but the, the grooves go around the diameter of the cylinder recording. And uh, they, they were actually produced without electricity, is, is my understanding? For the most part, yeah. They were uh, acoustical recordings. All recordings before about 1925 were recorded without the aid of a microphone. The performer would sing or perform into a recording horn, which then would inscribe that recording onto the wax uh, recording. Um, and until 1925, that was done entirely without electricity, or at least there's no electricity in the actual recording process. And, uh, you know, we actually do have a, a fantastic program here on WFMU called the Antique Phonograph Music Program. It's hosted by Mac on Tuesday evenings at 8 o'clock. And he br- he brings up this gigantic uh, kind of amplifying horn and and uh, an actual antique phonograph um, to to broadcast these over the air. And obviously, there's there's a, quite a process of of uh, you know digitizing these old recordings and and uh, preserving and, and maybe doing some restoration work. So I know uh, Berto, that's something that that you work on there at the lab. Is it? Uh, you know, what, what's the process before before you end up putting each each one of these now almost ten thousand MP3s online? What's the process? Well, the process is uh, it's kind of grind the work, but it's very very interesting and very um, rewarding grind work. We do about twelve cylinders at a time. We we pick them out from our collection and uh, we and we go by the cylinder number they they've been assigned, and uh, you know, we take them to the digitization lab and. Uh, Place them in the archaeophone. First, you got to mount them on a mandrel. That's uh, it's a tapered cylinder-shaped uh, mounting arm, and it's solid. And so you slide the cylinder in, into that, and uh, then you determine what kind of a stylus it's going to need because there's generally two types of cylinders. I mean, there's more, but generally what we deal with mostly is two-minute cylinders and four-minute cylinders, and the, the stylus is different for each of them. So we have different cartridge arm and uh we determine what that arm is and uh we clean the cylinder with the microfiber and anti-static pad once it's on once it's mounted on the machine and then from that point on we figure out what the speed of the cylinder is it could either be 120 rpm 144 rpm that's rotations per minute or 160 rpm or sometimes something entirely different and those are the ones that are really fun they they were they were just kind of making up the RPMs as as they went. What it, it hadn't been standardized, I guess, until a certain point. Well, there was standardization, but there's different um, speeds of standardization depending on the era. And I think David could answer that with more um, detail. It was sort of standardized, but not standardized. It's hard, to, you know. I mean, these are a hundred years old, and Edison cylinders worst were generally standardized but you know not always um and we have a lot of french cylinders in our collection about 3500 
and the French cylinders are really not standardized. Sometimes they're, you know, you have to listen, Berto will have to listen to them to, to, try, to try to determine what the right speed might be. Wow. Well, they're really, you know, very fascinating snapshots from the early, early days of recording. And uh, where, so where, I, mean, I guess that, that the first, like the initial 6,000 or so that, that you put online in 2005, you'd started the project um, in 2003. And this this collection had already existed at the uh, UCSB library there in Santa Barbara. Yeah, the the initial collection um, of roughly six thousand cylinders was mostly the collection of one collector from Seattle, Washington, whose name was Vern Todd, and the library uh, received his collection in the mid nineteen nineties. Um, and it was really after that point, um, after the project went online that the other collections started coming in. Um, and the collections roughly doubled in size since um, 2000. The, collection, the, the project went online in 2005, but we started digitizing the collection in 2003. And that was a, a grant-funded project that was fund, funded by an agency called the Institute uh, for Museum and Library Services. Hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it seems like, like a really obvious thing that, that you have this collection and it's mu- it's music that's pretty much impossible to hear for most people most people don't have an antique phonograph like like a you know WFMU DJ Mac does and uh so it seems like the obvious thing to digitize these and put them online and uh you know what but what what kind of uh questions went into that decision and and the idea to share them under a, a creative commons non-commercial license the 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 reason we chose the cylinders is, you know, unlike a 78 RPM recording, which may be just as rare as a cylinder, uh, the technology is still sort of readily available. You can go to, you know, JNR Music World and buy a turntable that'll play 78s. That's just not the case with a cylinder recording. Um, you either use uh, a historical, a crank-up phonograph, like Mac does on his program which carries a great risk of damaging the cylinder if you don't know what you're doing. Um, or you can get some kind of modern custom-built uh, machine like the Archeophone that uh, Berto uses in the lab. Um, but those are expensive and esoteric and not the kind of thing you're going to, uh, the average collector or even institution can afford to do. Um, so that was part of the choice. Um, the, the other thing was is that just cylinders have this kind of sexiness about them because the, the, the format is so long gone. I mean, we have a, with the flat records, the 78s, the LPs, even kind of the, the CD resembles a 78 in a way. Um, but cylinders are just this kind of esoteric format that people find inherently fascinating. And it dates back all the way to the dawn of recorded sound with Edison's tinfoil phonograph in the 1870s. Um, so we thought it had an, uh, an appeal that way, and that was sort of the genesis of the project. Our decision to, to share under a Creative Commons license was really twofold. I mean, we wanted to give the music away. That Libraries are about giving stuff away, uh, providing free access to the content. And so we decided early on that we would create some sort of downloadable um, uh, format for that we'd use MP3 files to, to share them online. But we also believed in the Creative Commons principle that um, 
you know, there was a new way of, of providing uh, content online, but protecting, um, you know, the owner in some way. And there's, so there's, a, 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 in a way, a bit of selfishness involved, too, that we wanted to be able to give this stuff away, but we didn't want everybody to turn around and then, like, you know, take, make CDs of it and sell it and things like that. So it was a way of, in a, in a sense, protecting the university's investment in the project and, the, you know, the taxpayer's investment in the project while still being able to give all of the music away online. And I just think the Creative Commons, sort of the whole model of the whole thing, is, was really forward-looking, and we wanted to participate in that. Yeah, well, it's, it's a really great part of, of the Creative Commons music world, and we're so excited to have, to have uh, CPDP curating some selections for the Free Music Archive. Uh, the, the two tracks that we heard, uh, we heard Polk Miller and his old South Quartet, with What a Time, and in, a, in the background right now, again, we're just hearing a little bit of Albert Benzler and Fred Van Epps, uh, Gondol- Gondolier and Temptation Rag. And uh, do either of you want to want to maybe provide a little bit of context for these, these songs? I just want to point out that the Gondolier Rag sounds like one of those jumping levels in Super Mario World, and that's just... You know, it tickles my fancy that it's something so old, yet it can maybe be referenced by something so modern as a video game. <laughs> Wait, seriously, it's 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 really referenced in in the Mario. I don't I don't think it's re- it was referenced, but it's, yeah, it, 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 maybe unintentionally so. It was one of those uh, yeah well, synchronicities. We, we've got a lot of eight bit uh, chip chip music on the FMA. It'd be great to hear somebody do a chip tune rendition of this. It's a great song, and I think that cylinder, that's probably my, cylind- my favorite cylinder on the entire website. I haven't listened to them all, but, um, you, know, to, you know, that second half of the cylinder where they go into the, the Temptation rag, it's just classic, uh, you know, turn-of-the-century banjo rag. And the other part is that the sound quality is so good. This was made by a kind of an obscure company in Cleveland called the U.S. Phonograph Company, and uh, they used celluloid cylinders, which were kind of had a smoother surface and were resistant to abrasion and damage. <clears throat> that cylinder is just a little over 100 years old now, and I think if you weren't paying attention, I mean, I don't know what your listeners uh, thought when that first came on at, uh, at 8 o'clock, but... I don't think it sounds like a hundred-year-old recording. I think it sounds like it could have been made, you know, uh, like Berto said, you know, that it could have been, uh, um, you know, part of a modern. Uh, it has a modern relevance to us. Yeah. So is that is that kind of what what you what you'll be looking for in making these uh, selections for the Free Music Archive? Just what I mean. What 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 do we have to to kind of uh, keep an ear out for? And there's a lot of very interesting snapshots of, like, for example, I've, I have a plan for a 4th of July special, and uh, we have a few recordings of the Star-Spangled Banner, and it's so different. We've gotten so used to listening to a, to a very specific cadence in, in the Star-Spangled Banner as it's performed nowadays. And uh, the performances that we have, they're not very... They, they don't follow that cadence, and so it's very disorienting at first, but it's like, well, there was no reference point back then to standardize the Star-Spangled Banner, and so maybe performers had their own unique take on it, and that exemplifies it, and I just find that very interesting, and so that's the type of thing that we're going to be looking for 
in addition to to um, you know unearthing things like there's there's that very famous Brahms cylinder that's really noisy, and that, that's just a historical figure, which would you know require highlighting. So that's another one of the things you could look forward to seeing a historical figure being recorded and you know being surprised that there's a recording of that historical figure that people didn't even know. Wow! Yeah, a, a cylinder recording of Brahms. And we, our our collection, the the, the ten thousand cylinders on the website is, in a sense, uncurated. If we have the cylinder, we put it online. And, and to be quite honest, there's a lot of cylinders on our website that are don't appeal to modern ears. That are in less than perfect condition. I mean, there's great music on there, but there's also some cylinders that are really, frankly, terrible. You know, it's like if you took a you know, every seven-inch record that was made in the 1970s and digitized it and put it online, I mean, you'd have, you know, uh, you know the great uh, funk and disco hits, but you'd also have some really terrible music, too. So we don't really curate the, the whole site, in a sense. We, if it's a cylinder, we put it online. But for the Free Music Archive, uh, Berto's going to be, you know, picking out the new gems as he digitizes and, and uh, putting them up. So you're going to get a... Um, uh, 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 not necessarily a sense of the whole cylinder universe, but you're going to get some of the highlights of of uh, what we're putting online. Yeah, and that's I mean that's totally what we're going for with the Free Music Archive. Obviously, to to bring ten thousand cylinders uh, into the library would put put a it, it's, it would it's a, bury it's a lot your to site host. in mediocrity, <laughs> and that's not what you want. Well, I mean, there's a lot of incredible stuff, and it's it's a really important. Uh, archive that that you've built over these past, uh, well, I guess dating back to two, 2003 when the digitization started. Um, well, I'd like to get into maybe one more track here from. Uh, sh- should we play this, uh, the aria from Aristodemo Giorgini? Sure. And uh, and then maybe we'll we'll come back and talk just a bit more. Okay. All right. So you were listening to. Uh, WFMU, and we're joined by David Soybert and uh, Berto Solis from the Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project, their new Free Music Archive curators, and here is a track that's up at freemusicarchive.org for you to download right now.
right, so uh, that was Aristo Demo, uh, Giorgini, uh, recording from from 1911, and that's part of the Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project. I'm joined by David and Berto from from this uh, really incredible project. They're new curators on the Free Music Archive. You can head on over and download uh, three tracks that are on on the homepage, and uh, a bunch more curated selections are are up there in the library, and more more on the way. So, uh, uh, Berto and and David, why, or is is there any sort of context for this track that that we just heard? Well, I love I love uh, this recording, and why I really wanted to do it is opera is basically considered toxic to daytime radio. Nobody will touch it because it, they figure it'll drive the radio, the listeners away. So I just wanted to get it on the air in uh, New York and New Jersey in the, in the middle of the day on Thursday. Well, actually, so. <laughs> actually, we had people saying, uh, like, wow, how good is this? Cool as hell. A lot, a lot of great comments up, up at the playlist about that great. O- opera good. here here at WFMU. We're I guess a little bit, a little bit different than normal radio. <laughs> yeah, your your listeners are a little bit more sophisticated and can understand the appeal of, of that. But I I just think it's a great recording, and the the, the our cylinder project website contains just about any kind of music you can think of, except music that hadn't been invented. So there's no hip hop, but really, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe knows? we'll do a home recording of uh, some hip hop and put it up sometime, but. Uh, there might be some proto proto punk or something along those lines. Um, I mean, there's also it's not just music though. We have vaudeville acts and uh, and speeches, and, and that stuff is really interesting in its own right. There's there's Arabic cylinders, there's Chinese cylinders, there's French, Italian. We have Tahitian cylinders. Um, you know, it's just I mean, it was it was the way you made recordings until. 19, you know, roughly 1930s when instantaneous disc recording was invented. Uh, if you wanted to make a recording, uh, you would, you know, make a cylinder recording. So there's all sorts of odd personal and home and private and field recordings and things like that on the website. Now, I'm, I know that there are, are other uh, collections held at universities of cylinder recordings, and and wh- why are there not more projects like CPDP that are putting them online and, and sharing. Um, you know, is it, have you ever thought like, well, we better protect these by not, by not sharing them? Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes that's kind of the sense that, that I get from, from archivists in certain fields that, um, you know, we got to keep these in a locked box. But there's, I, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's it, actually. I think there's two words explain the whole situation why there's not a more stuff online. Money and copyright. If there was more funding for this, um, I think a lot more archives would do this sort of thing. The other thing is copyright. Uh, you know, people think old recordings are in the public domain. They're actually not. And that's a topic for another program, and I know you've had guests on your program before, Jason, that have mm-hmm. talked about that. Um, but early recordings are not necessarily in the public domain, but because it's sort of complicated and, and unclear about what you can and can't do, many archives are wary of doing things that are sort of as blatant as ours in terms of putting up music because of concerns about violating, I shouldn't say copyright laws, but violating laws related to 
piracy and things like that. So um, that's why there aren't more. I don't think archivists in general have a, a sort of let's block it up and keep it uh, protected. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Syracuse is the other big collection in the United States of cylinders, or at least public uh, public collection, and they are actually digitizing uh, some of their collection as well, which is available available for, through their website. Um, but they're they're not sort of as visible as uh, as we are. But there's a link to their site on our website as well. And if if anybody uh, listening is interested uh, in in kind of the the copyright side of things, we had guest Sam Berlowski, who co-authored a study called "The State of Recorded Sound Preservation in the United States: A Legacy at Risk in the Digital Age," uh, which actually made the claim that that these recordings from a cent- more than a century ago are more likely to survive uh, going forward um, than than digital recordings because because you know we have archivists who are who are thinking about how to preserve them uh, like like David and, and Berto who who are joining us and are our guests right now so uh, well you know you, you picked out one other uh, really interesting cylinder or actually it's it's three variations. Um, of the same the same piece, right? Yeah, this um, the this cylinder is a uh, Arthur Collins uh, performing a piece called Any Rags. Um, the interesting thing about this is uh, Edison recording, um, first recorded in about 1903, and one of the quirks of these early recordings is that we have three different copies of this recording, and they're all different performances, but they're all Issued under the same cylinder number, so if you had, you know, picked, you know, bought it at your local store, you might have gotten a completely different cylinder than somebody that bought it at another store. And, you know, you, we don't know this until you can listen to them side by side. So maybe you could play the first, you know, ten or fifteen seconds of a couple of them, and we could see how huh. how different they are. All right. Well, here's here's copy number one. By Arthur Collins, Edison Record. Did you ever hear the story of a ragged jacket jack? Here he comes down the street with a pack on his back. He comes in the morning. All right, and now we'll switch it up to copy two. Any rag, sung by Arthur Collins, Edison Record. All right, so we'll move on to the third. Any rag sung by Arthur Collins, Edison Records. Did you ever hear the story of Ragged Jagged Jack? Here he comes down the street with a pack on his back. I just think that's so cool that 107 years later or whatever it is that three of these cylinders that for all you know obvious measures look identical and then you digitize them and suddenly oh they're all different performances recorded at different times but they had the same like catalog number I mean why how did this happen they they couldn't make copies I can't give you a precise um, you know scholarly explanation for why, but it could have been that 
the mold was damaged or that the you know there's a finite production production run for a particular stamper of that so they had to go bring Arthur Collins back into the studio um, and re-record it and but they just you know they just wanted to keep the song in the catalog so they put it under the same catalog number you know, there was no marketing this is you know special you know new recording or remix or whatever it was just sort of part of keeping that title in the catalog but I don't know specifically what happened but I still think it's cool that there's three recordings and maybe there's many more of this you know and this this is more common than you think though there are hundreds of these alternate takes wow. on the website already and very recently we had a couple of collectors come in and um, they actually had because to to mass produce these you you couldn't just record one and copy it although eventually that was possible but at first um you would have to have the performer stand in the middle and you'd have a bank of machines running simultaneously and, you'd ha and then those would record the performer and so we had some collectors come in because each of them had a recording of the same performance but from a different machine and so we were experimenting with the idea of creating a stereo performance <laughs> but um, yeah due to the complications of the medium I don't think it's very possible to do but it's something very interesting because all the ingredients are there, but the processing is incredibly difficult because there's nothing we can grab onto that would make it have the, the, the necessary time frame to, to qualify as stereo because everything was mechanically controlled. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot more kind of audio mysteries that that are there in the nearly 10,000 tracks that are up at the, the website for the Cylinder Digitiza or Preservation and Digitization Project is cylinders.library.ucsb.edu. And uh, you can also check out the homepage of freemusicarchive.org. Uh, links to a bunch more. Um, actually already already a, a nice batch of MP3s up there that had been selected by, by WFMU's own Joe Magasco, host of Surface Noise, a while back when we were, you know, browsing the internet looking for Creative Commons music to to fill the Free Music Archive library, and it's great to now have uh, CPDP, Berto and, and David, who are joining us here on on the phone, uh, actually curating selections and helping provide context to this incredible, incredible, incredible music. So, uh, well, well, we're delighted to be part of the Free Music Archive now. Yeah, no, we're, we're very jazzed, very happy. Yeah, so much, so much to look forward to. So we'll be doing, uh, I guess, like a track of of the week, and uh, you know, everybody, everybody, just stay tuned because there's there's a lot in store. Um, well, any anything else? Uh, I've, I've got like twenty minutes left in the show and, and a whole bunch of music to play. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Well, we right. just just tuned back into the Free Music Archive, and we'll you know, Berto's going to be selecting the the cream of the crop, so you can. You can either hit our site and check everything out or hit Free Music Archive and kind of get a sampler of uh, what's cool and new from the Cylinder Preservation Project. Yeah, and oh, and, and we should, you know, mention that the cylinders.library.ucsb.edu site does have a, a track of the day, Cylinder of the Day. So uh, if you really, you know, if you can't get enough, um, definitely head that direction every day. And, uh, yeah, well, Berto and, and David, thank you so much for joining, and we're, we're all really, really... Looking forward to uh, to what's in store. Great, good Thank to be you. good to be on your program. Yeah, I'll I'll talk to you soon.
Okay. And let's see what what music do we have to play here. I've got so much uh, so much going on over at freemusicarchive.org these days. Well, here's a track from uh, Granada, Spain by La Barca de Sua. It's called Limpia La Brisa.
you've been listening to WFMU, and this recording is actually uh, was commissioned for a piece by Syracuse University, who, as as we were talking about with our friends from uh, UCB's Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project, Syracuse also home to an incredible collection of cylinders, and they put together a. Uh, symposium called Replay Symposium on Sound Sampling where they commissioned the artist Primus Luta to uh, put together this I guess it incorporates samples from cylinder recordings out of of the Syracuse library the the Belfer library so it's called the Belfer Suite the name of this release You'd never know. Uh, Before this, we heard from a performance at Roulette, which is a New York City venue moving to a new incredible space in Brooklyn. And to raise awareness, they did uh, this event last October called the Easy Not Easy Festival. series of special concerts... Um, new compositions, also some old kind of classic compositions with New York City's most exciting young artists. Uh, so many great folks involved in this. Justin Fry from PC Worship. No, uh, Dan Deacon. This was a piece by Charlie Looker of Extra Life. You can check out the whole Easy Not Easy collection up at freemusicarchive.org or follow the link from the playlist. We heard a track off the new New Weird Australia compilation called We Are After All Here by Andrew Sinclair. That was Ritual Beat slash Stolen Drums, Monocle and Galoon with Happy Sun off of In Frame, released by 12 Rec. And La Barca de Sua started things off. Follow the link if you'd like to read more of uh, me kind of rambling in response to this great article by Kenny G that declares archiving to be the new folk art. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope Worldwide on the World Wide Web at WFMU.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a big, big thank you to David Inberto from the uh, UCSB Cylinder, Digitization, C- Cylinder Preservation and Digitization Project for calling in. I know it's, it's early out there on the West Coast. And uh, yeah, stay tuned to WFMU. Joe Belock is up next. You've been listening to the Gray Area Podcast from WFMU and the Free Music Archive. Thanks so much for tuning in. I will be back uh, next time with another episode. And if you want to catch this live on the radio over at WFMU.org, 91.1 FM in the New York City area, broadcast now to Jersey City, New Jersey. Just tune in Thursday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon. This is the pod-safe version of my show, Talks Cheap. And uh, stay safe out there, everybody. I'll see you next time.